Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Daigle Bites ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. Daigle Bites. Hey, everybody. This is Michael from Team LD, and I work with Lauren to produce Daigle Bites. There's been a lot going on in the world, and in the spirit of listening and learning, we thought it would be worthwhile to share something that Lauren did on her Instagram last week. So please forgive the audio as it is pulled directly from her Instagram live. We wanted to share her message of compassion, a prayer for this time, and her call to not become complacent. Thanks, y'all. just been tossing and turning and I can't sleep because of thinking about the current events in the world and um, I've received a lot of text messages yesterday about my silence regarding the George Floyd issue and let me assure everybody that my silence has had nothing to do with a lack of concern but it's because I haven't had a moment to be still and pray and reflect and ask God where to stand with my words, how to communicate with my words. I know where I stand, but with my words, how do I speak on something that's so great in magnitude, great in weight? The weight of a topic like this is not easily addressed. It's not just a quick repost of somebody's story so that you look like you fit in with where the world stands. To me, it's so much more than that. And I've talked with friends and I've, I've tried to gain perspectives. And so let me start by saying, I think this is horrific. I think what was done to George Floyd is absolutely horrific. There's really no other way to say it. It enrages me. And I'll tell you a couple of things. One. I didn't watch the full video. I couldn't watch the full video for the sake of not being desensitized. I don't want to see another black person die and just think, oh, it happened again. There's nothing in me that wants to get used to this. That's the thing I think that I get so frustrated about. I don't want to get used to this. All these video games where people are killing each other and it's glorified. I don't want to get used to this. I think it's horrible. I think what happened to George Floyd is absolutely infuriating. So because I didn't see the full video, because I don't want my eyes to just become accustomed to things that are hellacious and wrong, not because I don't care, it has nothing to do with that. It's because I I don't want my brain to become watered down to things that are very potent. The bottom line is, I asked, can someone please tell me the story of what happened here? And upon receiving the news that a man's nose was bleeding and he had defecated himself and was pleading out, and not one person, not one person said a word. I'm horrified at the heart of man. That is someone's child. That was someone's child and someone's friend. How can the heart of man be like that? I don't understand. 
I'm shaking with anger that no officer said anything. I have no idea what it's like to be a police officer. I'm not even gonna begin the barrage of thoughts on how to handle situations, but I don't know how much more evidence you need to say, hey, maybe you should let up, bro. This is wrong. When it comes to George Floyd, just upon hearing about what happened, and I will wait to the party, but it doesn't mean the wait is any different. I was talking with a friend and I said, what do you think about all this? Like, she said, Lauren, this is a heart of man issue. This is to show how we treat each other as people. And I was on a walk last night and I just had this thought. Neighborhoods were called neighborhoods for a reason. Neighbors, neighbors, not strangerhoods. You know the person that lives next door to you. A neighborhood. But we in society, we've lost that connectivity in so many ways. It's not a neighborhood, it's a strangerhood. What is the one thing in the Bible? I said, God, remind me of verses. What is one thing in the Bible? One of the greatest luxuries to get to take part in that the Bible talks about and urges people. It's to care for your neighbor greater than yourself. It's to think of them as you would yourself. It's to love your neighbor as yourself. When I think about that, if we actually took time to see people for their worth, to see people for the value. I've gone into the prison systems and I don't work in the prison systems. I don't know the day in and day out of people that are there on the front lines to bring hope and courage to those people. I don't know the ins and outs, but I have been there enough to see, it doesn't take many moments to have your life rocked in one of those prison systems. But this is what I can say. It is easy for people to judge a criminal based on their crime. And I believe that there are good people in prison. So when someone is being arrested, they might not be at their best in life. But that doesn't mean that they don't have the potential to get there. I have seen men change. They go into prison one way and they come out a different way. And that means that every person being arrested needs to be looked upon with that same potential, with that same hope until they reject it. Sometimes it's going to jail that changes people's lives for the better. They need the stillness. I've heard people tell me that. I needed the stillness. When I'm in jail, it's still, my mind is still, I'm able to see what's good. I'm able to see it clearly. But when I'm on the streets, it's not like that. I get needing stillness. So when I think about the state that George Floyd may have been in, regardless of what he did, that is a soul there that had an opportunity to flourish. And I would rather choose audacious love, audacious hope when I look into the eyes of man. And I hope that that follows me for the rest of life, that ravenous love. God is a ravenous God. He'll run after the one. When one sheep went astray, he went after it and left a hundred behind to go after the one. When I look at arrest, I don't think, yeah, that's what should have happened. I think, God, would you set the, the soul free, free from the bondage of poverty, free from the bondage of gangs, free from the bondage of trying to satisfy what 
you may have lost as a child, the innocence that might have been stolen from you as a child, regardless of in what way of abuse, mentally, physically, emotionally, running from things. God, free them. I feel like there's a lot of topics wrapped up in this one story. Look at what has been brought up from the life of one man, from the circumstance of one man. And as much disruption and chaos and grieving and mourning that this has brought, that is also how much potential is behind a man. So I think what we have here is a need to look into the eyes of people when we're at the grocery store, checking out our groceries, not to rush past, but to be available, to honor your neighbor as yourself, to love your neighbor as yourself. So when I think about George Floyd, I think about his family, I think about his friends, I think about the remnants of his life that are still being sprinkled and scattered all over this world right now. I can't imagine being pinned down to the ground for the people of color who are struggling and, and mourning and who are sad today. My heart is with you and to say that, oh, I get it, I understand, it's wrong. I did not grow up a color other than this. I will not be able to walk a mile in your shoes. I'm not gonna sit here and fake like I can. But that does not mean that my compassion for you and my love for you isn't fully present. I have friends of color. I work with people of color. I have background singers and instrumentalists that are of color. I have people that have put down incredible melodies that have formed the songs that each and every one of you hear and they're of color. And it is beautiful. And I. I was thinking about what to say. I was thinking about the word have. I have people that I work with of color. And the reason why I say have, because I'm very selective about things to say. I, I would never want have to sound like a gross ownership. When I say have, I think I have them tucked away in my heart. I have them in my thoughts throughout the week, especially now as we're all separated. I have them on my mind. I have their stories on my mind. So when I say have, I say have in the luxury of sharing with, not have in the sense of possession and ownership. I don't think God created us with these beautiful uniquenesses, these beautiful differences in bone structure and, and colors of eyes and colors of skin and creative abilities. I don't think of it as a divide. I think of it as unique beauty, unique formations. When I think about the way he created all of us, I think he created each one being held the same. I think if God tasted an ounce of prejudice, the whole world would vomit at its disgust. We're all made in his image, go figure. Yeah, I think when God created people, like my gosh, what a joy. I don't know any artist that hasn't explored with every color. What would life look like if every painting was one color? We need the black, we need the brown, we need the purples, we need the greens, we need the blues, we need the yellows. 
We need reds, we need white. When you're painting, colors boast of such beautiful contrasts. That is the joy of skin collectively. My gosh, I don't know if you've ever seen an image where it's every skin color represented and they're all standing next to each other. But I feel like when that happens, the heart of God leaps at harmony between brothers and sisters. It's like that palette, it's like that canvas boasting of beautiful colors. And when it comes to protesting, I think it's a beautiful representation of the right to free speech. I do, I think protests are good. It shows what people in the nation care about when there is something that is confronting and, and concerning. But where I don't agree is the burning down of buildings that people have worked so hard to establish. I heard a story about a man and he said, please don't burn down my building. I'm a minority too. And when we go back and we think about this being such an issue with the heart of man, not caring about the other, not being concerned with the person next to them, looking beyond skin color and seeing the soul, celebrating skin colors and seeing the soul, the heart of man, the spirit of man. There are ways to use anger for good and there are ways to use anger for evil. And I do think that seeing what happened to George Floyd should elicit anger. But this man pleaded, I'm begging you, do not burn down my, my building. I've, I've put my life's work into this. And they go and burn it down. That, I don't think that that serves the purpose and the heart and the intent of what this issue is bringing about. I think that goes against loving your neighbor as yourself. Protesting fully for it. But don't allow that disgust for what has happened to take over to a degree that you fall into the same trap of using rights as a monster. I would love to sit with every person and hear every story and you better believe I'm gonna call people. I'm gonna say, explain this to me. I need a greater perspective. I want to learn. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Mourn with those who mourn. I want to learn what this feels like in my pondering, in my thinking of how do I respond to an issue such as this? How do I speak on a topic that is so much greater than myself? I can only hold my myself and hope that I, I use my platform to exhibit the things that are good and to remind people of the good to remind people what hope looks like, to remind people what caring for others looks like, to remind people of what joy looks like. And I can only do that by exhibiting that example in my own life. My sweet friend reached out to me and she's a person of color. She said, there are people of color that follow you and your silence could be hurting them. And I was like, oh, that's, that's the exact opposite of the message that I'm trying to deliver. Because I care, I care about the black community and I care about the people of color and I care about what goes on in the world and I care about when the world is moaning, when the heart of man is groaning. I care about those things. So when she said, Lauren, you know, speaking is important right now. Um, upon the pondering of what to say and what to do, I was, I was talking with my aunt and 
I heard her mention Rosa Parks. And I did a report on Rosa Parks in the third grade. I didn't understand its fullness then, but I knew that it, it had meant something to me. And I knew what she did meant something powerful. And I remember learning about slavery and as a child feeling angered, fully enraged to the highest extent. I didn't even have the capacity to understand the, the politics and the, the nature of man, what coerces man, what persuades man, what hurts man. I didn't even have the grandeur, but you don't need it to know good from evil. And that junk is evil. I had the privilege of going to Memphis and going to see what dear Martin Luther King Jr. did as a stand for his people. One of the greatest men in history. And I, I want his character forged into my veins and his desire for justice. But he knew this is what I will die for. Powerful. So I reflected on these people of color. So when I pondered the ways of, what do I say about this, God? What do I really say about this? I, I just wanted to mention those beloved people. There are so many more. Rosa Parks. I wanted to celebrate Rosa Parks. Martin Luther King Jr. I wanted to honor him for the legacy of his boldness. So as I, as I end this, I'm gonna share two things. The weight of legacy. I was thinking about slavery and how grotesque that is and how grotesque the disdain for a color of skin is. That you would scrutinize someone baffles me. If there are kids listening to this, this is that parental guidance message that's being put on the screen right now for the content I'm about to share. I had remembered a story my grandfather had told me as a little girl. Upon hearing, you know, the horror of slavery. My grandfather was from Mississippi when there were, was a lot of civil unrest. And, um, I said, what was it like being a child in a portion of that going on in your community and in your hometown? And he talked about how awful it was that there were children being lynched in his hometown for the color of their skin. That burdens me to my core still. And I said, how did you live like that? He talked to me about how his family would hide black people in their home and how his mom raised one of the little boys and taught him, and he graduated. He went on and joined the military, and after finishing up in the military, he went on and continued his education and became a nurse. And he called, he was, lived in Chicago, and he called my family years later and, and told them what his life had become in a time when they hid him from the KKK. Legacy for doing what's right will withstand the horrors of now. Legacy for doing what's right goes way beyond tucking evil away in your heart. Don't become that, I urge you. 
to reflect on loving your neighbor as yourself. What does that really mean? Do not become complacent. Do not become desensitized to gross mistreatings of all people. Children, if you're bullying people in school, quit because it starts there. Parents, if you're talking down about someone in front of your children, quit because it starts there. It doesn't just get created out of thin air. It starts in conversations in the home. It starts with children bullying each other, pushing each other. Talk kindly to your children. Don't allow this hatred to fester. Be gentle in spirit with one another. And let that permeate to their core, and then they go and spread that to their kids at school, then their coworkers, then their friends. Compassion for others. Let that spring up. It starts with having compassion for yourself, letting the wounds of maybe what you've gone through to heal. People can change. I've seen it. I've seen someone go into the prison system as a criminal and 30 years later come out a free man completely changed. And I wonder if it was actually the fact that he got in touch with the way that he was made again. Not what this world tarnished became pure again. There is a way to discipline children without being harsh. When you crush the spirit of a child, they begin to crush the spirit of others because it's the way the cycle works. Don't crush the spirit of your children. It only breeds hatred and frustration and anger. And when you anger people, they respond. And that can look like bullying in school. And then before you know it, we've accepted what it looks like to frown on someone for who they are or the way they were made. Legacy, that's one. What legacy will you breed into your children? What legacy will you teach from this? And the second thing I wanna talk about is what unity looks like. I saw a video last night of a white police officer speaking to the black protesters and saying, I want to stand with you. All of us, all officers here, we want to stand with you. How can we help you? And you see them shaking hands and cheering each other on and, and that's what unity looks like. It's having concern for the other in every direction. I love unity. At my core, it is the center point of who I am. And there's plenty more to say, but I'll just end with saying, God, awaken the hearts of man for care and concern for each other, for the people that are hurting, for the people that are mourning. God, I thank you that your comfort is greater than any vice they could run to. God, I ask that you would whisper in those who are hurting, I ask that you would whisper their worth into their ears, that they would feel your proximity, your closeness, and that they would see the value that they possess in your eyes. And God, may we all look at each other with that same value, that we would see our neighbor as the way that you love them. God, that it would be so rich. God, as the world continues to ache, what is 2020? What are you showing us? That you would begin to, as people sleep, that you begin to give them dreams. And that people would wake up. Wake up, world. Wake up, world. Turn.
turn from the wickedness. Turn from your evil ways. Wake up. Hold the hand of your neighbor. God, that you would revive the heart of man for compassion and concern and care. That we would be dedicated to one another in love. That the protest would bring about something beautiful, that it would bring about a place of peace and that the rioting and the burning of things and the destruction and the death and the, the muck and mire of that would cease and that the beauty of people's cause would be looked upon. God, I pray for the judicial system. God, I ask that you would just bring, there are good cops and there are people that misuse their power and abuse their power. And God, I, I believe that you can put a cease to that, an end to that, and that a mighty wake of heaven would crush the head of the serpent, and that there would be no more misuse of power, that you would rectify the errors of the judicial system. In the name of Jesus, God, I ask that those who are forced into silence would have their voice heard, that you would send people who love justice, true and beautiful justice, to replace those who have a wicked taste to be satiated by power, that they would in delight in inflicting wounds on others to soothe what evil desires they have. God, remove those people, take them down, take them out. Let purity arise from this. Let unity arise from this. And let's urge people, God, urge people to celebrate what is good. Let the hunger for that just grow. We ask these things in your name. Amen. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Daigle Bites ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com survey. Nancy's love story could have been ripped right out of the pages of one of her own novels. She was a romance mystery writer who happens to be married to a chef. But... This story didn't end with a happily ever after. When I stepped into the kitchen, I could see that Chef Brophy was on the ground, and I heard somebody say, call 911. As writers, we'd written our share of murder mysteries. So when suspicion turned to Dan's wife, Nancy, we weren't that surprised. The first person they look at would be the spouse. We understand that's usually the way they do it. But we began to wonder, had Nancy gotten so wrapped up in her own novels... There are murders in all of the books. ...that she was playing them out in real life? You can listen to Happily Never After, Dan and Nancy, early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts.